April 24, ladies and gentlemen, the most beautiful city in the world, New York City, perfect city for an artist to do career, to struggle, to compete, succeed, and flourish. Andrei Bogoslavsky, almost 10 p.m., taking a bath as usual, the water is too hot as usual, so we have a few minutes to record this episode, is about how an individual artist, creator, should develop relationships with architects and interior decorators, designers. This is a very important angle, plus real estate agents, by the way. This is very important angle to, to, to develop relationships directly with art customers. Interior designers, they get paid like $200 an hour to give consultations to very wealthy people how to redecorate their house. Very wealthy people, if they don't want to move out from this neighborhood after five years, the wife, you know, the housewife, she wants to something to do, so she redecorates the house. And she hires this interior decorator, this lady or a man, who will tell her what is in a good taste, what is working, what is not working. Often interior decorators make sketches. They make this with magic markers. There, there's Prismacolor, has 300 colors, and you can make drawings that look like watercolors, and they make sketches to offer to a client to, to how it should look like, how we can redesign it. So right now you have it all in Victorian style and all the swirls and fabrics are hanging and and, uh, and the wife says, I, I, I want to get rid of all of this. So valuable furniture goes to auction house, trash goes to trash. And the husband, you know, comes back and says, well, honey, what's going on? Well, we're redoing the house. Some walls might get knocked down. You know, the bathroom might get redone every five years. Every five years, these people will spend $300,000, $500,000 to redecorate their bedroom, living room, kitchen, uh, guest bathroom, main master bathroom, children's rooms. And this is just what, this is a lifestyle, actually, for a housewife to do. She feels she's doing something important for her family, you know, especially when the kids take off to college. But not even, even before the kids take off to college, you know, she goes to the gym, she goes to the pool, she goes to cosmetologist, uh, beauty salon, and then she redecorates her house. It's a lifestyle, okay? And then she also volunteers at the fundraising organization organizations to organize fundraisers for Red Cross and stuff like that. So she doesn't work. You know, she doesn't need to work. Husband makes a lot of money, makes a couple million dollars a year. And the house they live in is worth, you know, two, three million dollars. And they, they redo their house. And this is where interior decorator goes in. Interior designer, decorator in the form of consultant. And also the job of this interior designer to know all the resources, to know the furniture stores where you can buy contemporary minimalistic furniture, to know where to buy a Buddha sculpture five feet tall and put it in their backyard, to know to, to, to buy a chandelier designed by Chihuly, you know, the glass artist Chihuly. And it's going to cost you 300000 but it's worth it. It's an investment. It's an artwork that will be hanging off your ceiling in your living room. You know, your living room is the size of a tennis court, so you've got to have a chandelier that is, you know, worth the living room. 
So this is where you come in. You basically need to develop friendships, like real friendship, like really go and have a lunch and pay for this lunch for this interior designer and ask her what she's working on, what she's up to. Not every project she's working on will be suitable for your artwork. So you've got to know that. But she makes a pretty good living. You know, interior designers, they make $100,000. Independent, you know, freelancers, $200,000. Working one-on-one, -on -one, uh, not having employees. But some of them have built up big firms. You know, they, they, they have many employees and they make a lot of money. Uh, so the interior designer has an agreement with this antique store, with this furniture store, that she's going to make 20% from the price you are asking. You're asking $5,000 for this painting, she's gonna put another $1,000, and she's gonna keep this $1,000, you understand? And it's non-returnable. Uh, uh, but uh, she will probably take five or six paintings, and the uh, art collector, the ultimate you know, customer, will keep those paintings for about a week, and they will think about it. So her job is to suggest something, but be prepared to build up very long-term relationships because if your paintings are really top quality, you really stand for it, and you know they're, they're spiritual items, you know, they're spiritual artifacts, people will get hypnotized by your artwork and people will... Uh, sort of get sucked in by your artwork. As years go by, they will never want to get rid of your artwork. Your artwork will not go to auction, to some cheap shit auction locally. You understand? So you have this opportunity to get your artwork into a very expensive houses. And this is what you really want. You understand? You don't want to sell your paintings for $400 at some art fair, you know, next to the cows and pigs. They, you know, how do they call them? Uh, farmer's fair. No! You want interior decorator take five or six paintings of yours to, 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 to the project she's working on and call you the next day and say, I sold two or I sold three. They love your art. They keep one for the bedroom, one for the living room and one for the guest bedroom. This is what happens, okay? So the prices you should be asking for should be a little lower than you are asking on internet. So the customer, if they Google you, and they will see this painting $6,000, and then interior designer brings this painting uh, at $6,000, so they, they, they know they're paying fair. They don't wanna feel they're paying more because they're walking through working through interior designer. So you need to be smart about it because people are not stupid. You know, wealthy people are not stupid. They're, they don't want to overpay. They want a deal here and there. So working, so how do you find those? Well, actually, they're mailing lists. You can buy a mailing list. So organize open art studio in your backyard. Summer is coming, organize barbecue, open art studio, extravaganza, Saturday afternoon. Uh, for six hours, starting at 2 p.m. till 8 p.m., print postcards, buy a mailing list, 1,000 interior designers in your area within 50 miles. I don't know where you live, small town, big town, big city. 
it worked like hell for me. <laughs> I bought a mailing list of architects and many of them showed up at my at my reception on Connecticut Avenue in Washington DC years ago, 10 years ago. And uh, not just I sold couple right there and then to those architects, then those people gave me their business cards and looking forward to work with me. And throughout the years, I sold few paintings because of this mailing list, you understand? So it's a mailing list of architects, it's a separate mailing list, and interior designers is a separate mailing list. Uh, find out, find out, call Yellow Pages, Google it. I'm sure there are actual labels, print postcards, they will cost you. So first you find out, you know, there are 800 interior designers in, you know, Ohio. I don't know where you live in Dallas, Texas. And then, and then print 1000 postcards and then another 200 postcards you give by hand to everyone you know in the next, you know, three weeks before your barbecue open reception, open studio, and uh, and postcard needs to be printed properly. Uh, the, your address goes on upper left corner and the label address goes in the center and then the stamp, you know, and mail them out. It's a very good investment. Your, your name will be out there. Often, interior designer will call you and then say, I can't come to your Saturday extravaganza, but what I see on a postcard, let's say you have one or two or three or four images of different uh, subject matters you're painting, she would say, you know, it's very interesting what are you painting, and it says they're pretty big sizes. This is exactly what my customers are looking for. Uh, and But I can't come that Saturday. Can I visit your studio some other day? You say, yes, of course, next week, two weeks from now. And and always put your phone number in a postcard. You know these people don't don't harass. They, they they call. They don't have time to talk to you, but they will call you to say. And she's gonna pin this postcard on the fridge, and it's gonna be there. And she's coming to your studio to look at originals. Okay, so you need to establish this very friendly, trustworthy relationships with those interior designers, interior decorators. You need to know them by name, you need to know their family, you need to be their close friend, you understand? And uh, uh, the interior designer probably already is working with couple galleries. But as you know, gallery doubles your price. So if you posted this painting on internet at suchart.com, as I keep recommending, at $5,000, the gallery in your town is pricing this, this painting, the same painting, $5,000. They can't price it $8,000. And you're going to make out of this $5,000, $2,500. On Satchar.com, you're going to make 60%, a little more. If this painting interior designer sells for $5,000, you're going to make more. You're going to make $4,000. So this is the mathematics. You should be conscious. The most important in this mathematics is about the price is the benefit of the ultimate user collector. So they don't feel screwed. So they don't feel they overpaid. So they don't ever, ever call you directly and say, we bought a couple paintings through interior designer four years ago. We feel we overpaid. If we come to your studio, do we get a better deal? The answer is no. You have to pay $5,000. You understand? Because you don't want to ruin your friendships either with the art gallery locally, either with the interior designer. 
because those friendships are more important than this cranky, cheap shit, you know, art collector. They're important too, but the art collector is, is used to hear no, because they're asking for a discount, they're asking for a studio price, and they hear no, it's okay, they're prepared for it, <laughs> you understand? They're buying Rolls Royce for $300,000 and they want a discount, they want to pay 200000 not 300000 they're used to it, they do it every day. Oh my God! So they 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 are not going to be surprised if if they hear no from you. It's okay if they hear no. So basically, uh, this is very important. These calculations about the price and in, in, find interior designers in your area. This is your main objective. Architectural firms. They redesign people's houses. Somebody buys a house and they, 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 one million dollars, two million dollars. They don't like the kitchen. They don't like guest bathroom. They want to tear all the marble out and put bamboo, bamboo floors, bamboo walls, you know. And they, they, they want to change the windows, etc. And as architect is working with them, they also might give them like advice on interior decoration. If not, they will suggest, recommend the interior decorator. And there you come. This is your industry, you understand? If you're a painting, if you're a sculptor, this is your industry. Sculptors, for instance, in New York City, when they build a building, and it costs $100 million to build a building, by law, they're obliged to designate $3 million, 3%, to artwork. And $100 million, it's a small building, it's, it's a 10-story building to build, you know, the actual construction architectural project. So they have a budget of $3 million, and who decides about it? Well, the board of directors, but the choices are offered by the architect and interior decorating consulting committee. So you need to know those people. You need to have lunch with them. You need to talk about your latest projects, ideas. Mm. The sculptures that can be erected for $3 million it will be probably 20 feet, 20 feet tall sculpture out of bronze. And you present sketches, you present drawings, you present uh, such a sculpture that will be 20 feet in the format of clay sculpture of uh, the plaster, plaster, plaster. You painted bronze, so it looks bronze because these people don't have imagination. They, they don't know how it's going to look. So if you we come for a presentation, you actually show them big photographs, big photographs of their future building that is not there yet with your sculpture in front of it. And they look at it and they say, well, it looks pretty good, actually. Abstract, you know, nothing obscene. That's perfect. You know, how much is it going to cost? $3 million. Okay, don't go over the budget because we're not going to pay for it. You get paid a lot. You get paid as an artist, $500,000. And the rest is, you know, employees, installation, casting, all of this shit. So this is what I'm trying to tell you. These people, all kinds of visual um, services, such as architects, interior designers, they are your best bodies. They're better bodies than galleries. Galleries are there for the money, okay? They're there, they, they, they have 12 months a year, and they have to pay rent. Gallery has to pay rent, $5,000, $10,000 a month. So how do they generate this income? Well, if the rent is $10,000, they need to sell for $20,000, because half of this money they give you. 
and then they need to pay salaries the front desk girl the cleaning lady the art director and the owner of the gallery so they basically need to sell forty thousand dollars a year a month in order to 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 just to survive just to come on zero with nothing special extra yes so they give you one week show solo show in a gallery space that rent costs ten thousand a month they don't charge you rent they don't want to make mistakes this is why they're so selective this is why they're really thinking through what they're gonna show in fact if you are absolutely unknown, unknown means unproven income artist, they're not going to give you a solo show because they don't want to take this risk. Your first two paintings will be in a group show, July and August, when the business is dead. So the gallery will hang two of your paintings and see what happens. Okay, some older gallery artists plus some new gallery artists, and they advertise and they promote. They have they establish art collectors who are out of town in July and August, but nevertheless, sales do happen. If you sell one or two paintings, this group show, you are in a gallery. They will accept you. They will keep couple paintings at all times. Uh, regardless who what's hanging on the walls currently. So let's say the next show in September after August will be a surrealist artist. They've been selling for over 20 years. They make so much money with this guy. But they still keep some of your landscapes in the back room. Because when collectors come, they say, you know, you had this group show back in August and there's, there was this Russian guy, Bogoslavsky, and he paints these funny landscapes. Do you have any of them left? Can I see some? Oh, yes, yes, we have a couple right here. And, and they will buy. They will make sales without a show. This is what dealers, dealers do. You know, they can sell without a show. They have a big mouth. They're better than a car salesman. If you think car salesmen are shrewd and they knock you out and they, they sell you something you really didn't want to, uh, gallery dealers are better because they're selling something absolutely useless. It's not a fridge. It's not a car you need to commute to work. It's something to hang on your wall uh, for the price of a car or at the price of a fridge. You know, it doesn't make sense. You understand? It's a luxury item. So they're selling this Rolex watch for $50,000. <laughs> Why would you buy a Rolex watch for $50,000? Like this friend of mine. So gallery dealers, they are, they often they come from financial background, from real estate. When they were selling million dollar houses, they know how to close the sale. They know the clients, uh, what their expectations are, how they behave. People come, art dealers come from Wall Street. I personally know many art dealers who spent 20 years on Wall Street, then they got burned out, they opened an art gallery, and they're doing very well. They're very sharp people, okay? They're salesmen, saleswomen, who know how to manipulate the environment and to close the sale. And this is what internet gallery SachiArt.com does. They have six curators who hustle very hard to get money for your painting. And so you better ship that painting. <laughs> Not, don't be like Bogoslavsky for two years refusing sales. So what I'm trying to tell you, your relationship with interior designers and architects in your area should be the most friendly as you can. Literally, call the place.
talk to them, have a chat and ask them to come to come out for pizza for lunch and pay for this goddamn pizza. Shake hands and don't stop talking about what you are doing now and reminiscing about paintings you painted three years ago. Maybe they will be more interested in that subject matter. Often, you know, collectors and galleries come to my studio and then they, 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 they don't care what I'm painting in the past two years. They really look at me like I'm stupid or something. Am I lost? Am I drinking again? They love the paintings from 20 years. I don't know what it is. You know, I, I thank God I, I have hidden those paintings from civilization for 20 years. They were in the rolls and then I decided to unroll them because I thought mm, something interesting. And they love them. They grab them. Oh my God, those seascapes from the Hamptons, this giant still lives. Cosmology is selling for the past 20 years. You understand? So don't you, you as a creator, I understand you're very excited about today's, the latest, the latest ideas. You're really inspired by something you learned just recently in science. I have learned quantum biology. What the hell is quantum biology? Well, guess what? It's a very complicated issue, but sounds like without quantum world, we wouldn't have any life on Earth. You know, there wouldn't be any bacteria, viruses, or any other multicellular organisms. So, if you're inspired by a subject matter of volcanoes and penguins dying on the South Pole, this is what you're painting. Penguins and icebergs and orcas eating penguins, whatever. Then, then, then it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. You're evolving, you're changing, you're developing. But don't, you know, don't be upset if people are going to shrug their shoulders. They're not going to be interested in your penguins. <laughs> So you need to play smart. You need to play it smart and reach out, reach out. This is your job to go out there and scream loud how amazing of an artist you are. If you are not going to do it, nobody's going to do it. Nobody's coming to make you famous. Nobody's coming to save you. It's up to you. It's between your hands and in your mouth to talk, to talk, to talk about art. And I keep recommending to my followers, you know, this TikTok application, for instance, but even Instagram, you can make short videos for one minute talking about this painting you're painting. I don't encourage you to be a performance artist. I don't encourage you to show others how your brush goes left and right and how you splash because it's... Uh, you're paying too much attention to how people will react, how it looks. I've done it. I've done it for the past five years. You understand? So try not to be performance artist. In fact, when you're truly painting out of your heart, it's very hard to talk about what you're doing. So often I would make a video with no voice and then mute it in my hard drive and lie down in bed calmly, look at my video and record the voiceover as, you know, screaming and yelling, and people love it. They think this is what I'm, you know, my schizo voice is coming out when I'm drawing this. No, no. When I'm drawing, I'm focusing on my drawing. So, but you need to learn presentation skills. So imagine it's an art reception with two of your paintings. It's a group show. There are 20 artists. It's July 5th or 6th, right? And there are 200 people, 200 strangers, well, a couple of your friends and family, and uh, they expect to hear you. you. Let's say you're showing a crazy abstract landscape and a, and a little nude, and she is not very erotic, she's very mystic, very mystic, right? 
and they come and they shrug their shoulders, you know, it's hanging to next to a very big nude somebody else painted. You need to stand out. Your painting speaks by itself. It's supposed to. It's supposed to stand out like Mona Lisa in the dark. You understand? It's supposed to glow in the dark. No doubt about it. But you, you, you did it. You, you, you finished it in the studio and here it's hanging. So now it's your job to brag about yourself. Like Leonardo da Vinci bragging the letters of recommendations to the Duke of Milan. And then he, he got hired for 15 years. He was in Milan designing crazy horses and crazy weapons and helicopters <laughs> and getting paid for it. And then, so this is your job to get out there and to tell people this art is amazing. You understand? If you really want to cross the line, pretend this is not your art. Just pretend, you know, this is some crazy artist you, you heard of. And it, <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. So basically, you know, uh, don't tell people about acrylic on canvas, stretched and gessoed. People don't care to hear about technology. They, they don't know fucking difference between acrylic and oil. Not really. <laughs> there isn't much difference if you look at it. And they, they, they care about a story behind the painting. Even if your symbols are not that meaningful, if you are not painting gods and demons fighting for the world, and uh, uh, talk about colors, talk about colors and how they're harmonized and how they're soft over here and very dramatic here, and how this this tree is so sharp and and it stands out because it's closer to you, etc. So talk about, you know, visual challenges in your studio. And people love to hear that. They, they love to, they, because it's, it's plain English, it's understandable, the sky is blue, the, the clouds are gray, white, and they express emotions, cloudy, rainy day, the storm is coming. They love this shit. So you need to learn all of that. And and the same goes for interior designers. When they come to your studio, when they come to your reception, you need to tell them the anecdotes to every painting. They probably will not remember every anecdote and every painting, but something they will remember. Something, some statements you're going to make. Some of the statements are perhaps a little crazy, a little bizarre. It's supposed to be crazy. It's supposed to be bizarre. It's supposed to be out of this world. It's supposed to be stuttering, scrambling, and tripping over your own shoelaces. Yes! It's supposed to be like that, you understand? It's not a fine literature. You're a visual artist, and the fact that you can even open your mouth, it's a miracle, <laughs> tell you the truth. So I, I encourage you to practice, practice, practice. You know, if you have, you know, family members, start telling them about your artwork. But don't be shy, put goddamn videos on TikTok, let those kids, you know, listen to what you have to say. Uh, regardless what you paint, you paint shit. And you know you paint shit, for instance, or you feel like you paint shit, but you go out there and tell them this is a genius masterpiece, much better than Van Gogh. <laughs> so let's see what happens. And people believe all kinds of shit, you understand? So I'm not saying you should be uh, uh, a snake oil salesman. You should persist quality of the artwork to your understanding. Don't let the garbage out of your studio. But at the same time, don't misrepresent, well, represent something in your words, you understand? Because your word will get you across, will, you will deliver the message verbally, not just by visual painting hanging there. So that's enough. I'm going to use for the cover as uh, 
my video page on Instagram. I have three pages. One of them is video page, so I encourage you to follow because I'm posting technical videos, inspirational videos on video page on Instagram. Thank you.